Yes, team, how's it going? This is episode 31 of the Modern Day Leader. And first of all, like I'm recording this podcast at a slightly different time to usual. Usually, I do it first thing in the morning just because I know the house is quiet. But I've had to do the podcast for whatever reason this afternoon. And currently, in a couple of rooms away, my daughter Darcy's dancing her heart out to Alexa. So, yeah, one minute you might hear Harry Styles, the next minute you might hear some song from Frozen. Um, oh my goodness, like I could literally probably sing all the songs in Frozen. Um, I've just heard them so many times. So yeah, apologies if there's any interruptions, but I think sometimes it's good just to shoot these episodes raw and live and just see what happens, just go with the flow. But yeah, hopefully there'll be no interruptions. But in today's episode, the title is 10 Things I Do to Bulletproof My Mental Health. And I know mental health, you know, especially over the last maybe five years or so, has been a big, big topic. And so many people are impacted by mental health. And I'll be completely honest, as I have been in previous episodes, I've had lots of struggles. Thirty-five Over the last 35 years, I've had lots of struggles with my mental health. You know, I've suffered with depression, low self-esteem. I've had binge eating disorder, which lasted for years and years and years. I did a podcast episode on that. Stuff like, like self-sabotage, like whenever things were going well, I just wanted to kind of ruin my progress. I spent a lot of time actually feeling love. And there was even a stage when I was at university where I was on antidepressants for a couple of years and nobody really knew about that other than Sally. So I think it's safe to say that I've had my fair share of like mental health struggles. But at the same time, I I also believe that I've overcome a lot of them as well uh, through the, the work that I've done on myself, through having really good coaches, through studying and learning. And I, I honestly believe like I've built a really good uh, relationship with my mental health now and I, I know like what to look out for when I feel certain things there's the strategies and things that I've put in place Um, I've read a lot like I've read to this date over 200 books on psychology and personal development I've really taken an interest in it because I I struggled with it and I wanted to understand human psychology on a much deeper level what is to help myself and then as a byproduct to be able to actually help clients so it's something that I'm really, really passionate about, something that I'm very, very interested in. And even to this day, like so much of my time is spent understanding myself, understanding my mind, what's going on, human behavior. It's something that I'm deeply fascinated about and deeply interested in. So what I've decided to do is to break this podcast up into two parts. So one is just to kind of go into a little bit of my mental health struggles. I'm not going to kind of share my life story or anything, but just kind of talk about like a few things that have kind of impacted me on my life just to kind of, I guess, like to share some vulnerabilities really. And to also think that, you know, who's this coach that's like, you know, wouldn't even know what it's like to struggle with mental health. Well, actually, you know, I've been there myself. And then the second thing is to actually share like 10 things that I do to bulletproof my mental health, like to protect myself and to to, to look for signs when things are maybe declining. So yeah, that's what I'm going to do. So part one, like some of my mental health struggles. So I'd probably say like when I look back and I was I was kind of like thinking about this episode because it was something that I wanted to think about. I didn't just want to kind of shoot from the hip like I do with a lot of episodes because I appreciate it's a sensitive topic, but topic. But one of the questions I asked myself before doing this podcast today was like, when was the first time that I kind of noticed like mental health, you know, uh, dips, uncomfortable emotions, like just just something like this feeling of not kind of feeling safe or secure in, in life and within myself. And I would say that probably when I was about maybe seven, eight years old, when my mum and dad split up and obviously, um, yeah, anybody that's been through, seen the parents break up, it, it can be quite volatile. Um, it can be emotionally draining, like seeing your parents who you think are just always going to be there 
not there and go their separate ways and you know seeing parents kind of deal with it in their own ways it, that was a really difficult experience so that for me very very difficult uh, mum and dad splitting up and just yeah seeing my mum obviously upset and having to bring up two kids and don't get me wrong I think me and Sly do a great job with our kids but being a parent as a unit and we are a strong unit is very hard let alone when one of those parents is missing it's I have so much respect for any single parent out there because it is yeah anybody that's got kids will know this I don't have to kind of reinforce it I'm also like I remember throughout high school like feeling a lot of insecurity like just not feeling good enough like comparing myself to other guys like you know that were bigger stronger so there was a lot of high school where I just yeah I almost kept myself to myself like don't get me wrong I had lots of mates I was popular in high school but kind of behind the scenes I was quite shy and I kind of wanted to almost like hide away from certain situations like especially outside of school I did not feel comfortable um with like going to the park with my mates I would just always come up with an excuse or say I was playing ice hockey which actually was a valid excuse at the time also on that note like with my ice hockey again like I was a very good ice hockey player um but yeah when anybody that's been into like any sport as a young kid and the competitive nature and whenever you're in a competitive sport from a young age you quickly realize like how dog eat dog it is you know as soon as you're into an academy or playing for a good team you've got competitive parents you've got coaches who are just bothered about the team winning and they've got their own personal agenda and again that can be quite damaging to a young kid that's just kind of trying to find his feet in the world and all of a sudden like you go from being kind of loved and safe and secure to like yeah that, that guy that's sitting next to you he could be taking your, your your place next week and it's 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 a lesson that I think is important because we obviously have to understand that there are other people out there competing for the same positions that we're in, but it can be tough. And uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys, you know, especially clients, have had conversations with guys that used to play professional football over in professional academies, rugby, those kind of things where I know it's definitely had an impact on, on the psychology and the way you see stuff. So, yeah, that, that was tough, you know, playing playing hockey at a competitive level. I talked about the binge eating. And again, if you do want to hear more about the binge eating, it's something that I struggle with for years, like binging on like 10 or 15 chocolate bars a day, hiding the food, a lot of shame, a lot of guilt. And there's an entire episode, I think it's about episode 15, somewhere around there, um, where I talk about it in detail. So if you're interested, do that. So go and listen to that. University, you know, a lot of drugs, partying, again, based on feeling insecure, like I would drink lots and get drunk or take drugs to kind of cover up that insecurity because it would make me feel a bit more relaxed. It would almost allow me to escape from my own thoughts and my own head. So yeah, and then we've got the start in a business. So when I started LEP Fitness, I left university, I left that kind of rock star lifestyle, even though I wasn't earning rock star money. In fact, I was absolutely broke, uh, living off Sainsbury's noodles most of the time. But yeah, starting a business and just being, you know, having this like hope. Yes, I'm going to start a business. Everybody's going to come. And realizing that, no, nobody was going to come. And I had to go out and work really hard. And the rejections, the setbacks, the not knowing if you're going to be able to build a business, the, the pressure, the financial pressure, people making comments, you know, friends, family members like, you know, do you think it's time to consider getting a job? freaking difficult so I honestly say like throughout my whole life I've had challenging periods which have really tested me mentally and at times I've not dealt with things in the best possible way but at the same time I, I can reflect now and I wouldn't change anything because all of these experiences have made me into the man that I am today and I'm proud of that man don't get me wrong I've still got work to do and I'm far from perfect but I just look back and this is one thing I'm going to kind of share with you before we go into the 10 tips is like we can sometimes look at our life and we can look back on our life and, and kind of like wish things would be different. 
But actually, a lot of the time, like our biggest setbacks, our biggest moments in life, our, our, our biggest hardships can be flipped and can be used to make change and great things can happen off the back of tragedy and difficult situations. So yeah, that's just something I just kind of wasn't planning on saying, but just kind of shooting from the hip, speaking from the heart. So that's kind of like giving you a bit of a background on hopefully some of my mental health struggles and just to make you realize that I'm human and I've actually experienced mental health. You know, I've experienced lots of times throughout my life, even if I've not necessarily recognized it. So now I want to talk into like the the things that I do now to look after mental health. This is based off the back of the stuff that I've learned and through having some amazing coaches and just through experience. Sometimes the best thing to do is just learn through experience and you learn through hindsight and how you would respond to things differently. So in this part, part two, 10 things that I do to bulletproof my mental health. The first thing is to actually learn about it. Now, I'm not saying you've got to read 200 books or go on like a sports psychology course or a psychology course in general, but actually seek to understand the mind. You know, at the end of the day, people spend time reading about the body and the muscles and how to build up the chest. But how much time do people spend actually on the mind? You're just understanding the mind. And if there's one book that I'd recommend reading or listening to, if you're like an audio book listener, is The Chimp Paradox. If all you do is read or listen to The Chimp Paradox, that will give you a very, very good, simple understanding of the mind. Another book maybe to consider is a book called Mindset by Carol Dweck. Like if you were to read The Chimp Paradox and Mindset, that would, honestly, for so many people, so many clients read The Chimp Paradox and be like, oh my God, like it feel like it's giving me so many answers to questions that I never thought I would knew the answers to. So I cannot recommend it enough, just taking a little bit of an interest and just developing an understanding, a basic understanding or as much of an understanding of the mind as you want, basically. The second thing is like to actually express your feelings. I think guys are guilty of this a lot. Like we tend to bottle things up and look at the the, the male figures in your life. And I don't know about you, but my dad, as I've gotten older, you know, it definitely expresses his feelings. But a lot of the guys that I was surrounded by when I was younger did not express their feelings. Like a lot of the kids that were playing the ice hockey and kids at school, they they were kind of almost like putting up a front and, and really weren't in touch with their feelings. So it's never really spoken about. And again, like a lot of our society is still, there's a lot of guys out there. It's like just get on with it, you know, man up. Jeez, I hate that saying, man up. Like basically what I'm saying is stop feeling and just get on with things. Like terrible, terrible way to live, uh, in my opinion. So I actually like to express your feelings. And I'm not saying that you have to go on social media and say, oh my God, I'm feeling depressed and so-and-so. But actually just finding somebody that you feel safe with and just expressing your feelings. And it's amazing how when you open up, so many other people, you know, I have so many messages from these podcasts, like, oh my God, like the binge eating episode that I did, like, oh my God, I suffer with that too. I thought I was the only person. And literally it felt like I was listening to my own story by you sharing your story. It creates connection. And then you soon realize that most of us are wearing masks and we all feel behind the scenes. And if we don't feel it's worried because we're effectively psychopaths or sociopaths. So most guys out there have feelings, but there's no way to express it. So express it with a person or actually having like a journal, even if you don't trust or you don't quite feel at that stage yet, having a journal, like just keep a private journal, just write down how you're feeling. Like, you know, I had today that felt a little bit lost. I'm not quite sure where my career is going. Like, you know, I've, I've been rejected on by this girl that I'm going on a date with or whatever it may be like express yourself like how you're actually feeling give it the attention it deserves because you can suppress feelings you can drink you can take drugs but those 
feelings buried alive never die. So you either express them and let them out in a healthy way, or they will come out in different ways. They, they will, might come out in anger. They might come out in substance abuse, self-sabotage, self-harm. Like It can come out in so many different ways. But unless you create the space to express your feelings, you're going to find things difficult. You're going to find it very difficult to navigate your way throughout life. The third thing is, you know, having the right people around you. You know, for me, I have people I trust. My wife, I trust so, uh, you know, with, with everything. My mum, my dad, and I know kind of like what I would speak to certain people about. Like with my mum and with my wife, Sally, I, I'll share anything. I'll just say, it's with my dad, there's, there's a lot of things I would share with him, but there's, there's certain things that I think my dad is better at than other things. Like, you know, when it comes to business and like, like man advice, like is in like, you know, that kind of aspect that I would speak to him and then I have coaches as well that I will confide in as well but actually having the right people around you who have your best interest at heart like I cannot stress how important that is and, and for me you know I've, I've had yeah all sorts of people and coaches that have just helped me so much um yeah so the right people around you is key the fourth thing is like to recognize that every downside has an upside positively reframing situation and I, I mentioned this when I when I shared like some of the mental health struggles that I've, I've been through in my life and actually how I look back at them now and think well actually that gave me the opportunity to go and improve myself so when I felt insecure about my body I started going to the gym and I got bigger and as a consequence of that it became my career and I wouldn't be doing this podcast had I not have started on this journey you know looking at how I've, I've suffered with my mental health over the years but then I've read books on it learned about it, helped my own life, and then as a consequence, been able to help other people. Like It's the ability to, 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 to see that every downside, no matter what happens, has an upside. You know, Say you're in business and you lose a client. The downside is, okay, you know, maybe you've lost some money, but the upside is you've got more space and more opportunities to go and spend that time elsewhere or to look for an even better opportunity. So you can, you have to work on it. It's like a muscle. But the ability to look at a situation that's affecting you and say, right, what are the benefits from this? And you might think, well, there are no benefits. I've lost my job. But that's just the way that you're looking at things. You're looking at the downsides. I've lost your job. You've lost your income. But what you're not looking at is that you've got 48, 40 hours a week back to maybe go and do an even better job or to actually leave the job that you didn't like for years that gave you security to go and build a business or to do something amazing with it. Like you, you do have that choice. It's whether you're willing to see that or not. And you can pretty much positively reframe anything that happens in your life. You know, I've read about it, you know, clients that have, sorry, not clients, sorry, people that have had the most dire situations. Like, in fact, there's another good book called The Man's Search for Meaning by Dr. Viktor Frankl. And, and long story short, and without like ruining the, the book, this is a guy that was a, a, a successful psychologist and basically he lost all of his family and he got sent to a concentration camp and everything was lost. Even his name, he didn't even have a name, he was just a number in a concentration camp. And he kept a diary and it's about how he still found meaning despite losing everything. Like, tell me somebody that's got a worse situation than that. All the family has been you know, put in the gas chambers, you've lost your identity, you're a respected professional now, all of a sudden you're just a number, you're surrounded by death, cold, rats, and you're still able to kind of see the positives, the fact that you're able to, to breathe in air and you've still got life, like, gosh, if that guy can do it, you know, during World War Two, then I think most of us can do it in our lives, so the ability to positively reframe is, is absolutely key. The fifth thing is, and I mentioned this before in some of my podcasts, is like being grateful for stuff, having a gratitude diary. 
And every single day, I think a lot of us, and again, me included, even though I keep a gratitude diary, we take life for granted. You know, we can get to the end of the day and we can be like, I've had a shit day. You know, the boss is, is going on at me. You know, there's there's some rejigging at work, which means that I might not know if, you know, I might not have a job this time in a couple of months. Like, we, we, we can kind of like go on one. But actually, there's somebody out there that would love to have your situation. They'd love to have employment. They'd love to be walking back into a home that's that's warm or with food in the cupboard. You know, there are countries out there that are at war <clears throat> where family members are dying on a daily basis. Like, and, and we're kind of moaning about the weather being a little bit darker and a little bit colder. Now, again, that doesn't mean to say that it's bad. Like, we're all going to moan about certain situations and we need to express how we feel. And it's okay to do that. But we've also got to actively seek out gratitude and be grateful. And, and something that I'm big on is like keeping a gratitude diary. And every single morning that I wake up, I write down three things that I'm grateful for. I write down things that are different as well. I don't just write down the same thing. So I try and think of like, right, I've got food over my head. I've got the ability to put the heating on. I've got a full day's worth of work commitments. You know, I've had a couple of inquiries today. Uh, I've got a microphone to be able to record this podcast. Like I'm able to breathe oxygen. I'm able to, to sit on a nice comfy office chair. I'm able to go into the room next door and my daughter's, you know, listening to music by, you know, Harry Styles or Frozen. Like there's so much that we can focus on and be grateful for, but we have to train our minds to be grateful. And what you'll find is that by training yourself to be grateful, you'll start to actually attract more abundance into your life and, and be grateful for your situation and everything that's happening to you. Because I'm a big believer in that life is happening to us and for us, not against us, but we just have to be willing to look for the positives and, and to be grateful for the life that we've got. The sick thing is just to become present, like whenever I'm getting lost in thought. So and by the way, guys, like this, I'm sharing the lessons, but I still have things that affect my mental health. I still worry about the future. I still get lost in overwhelm and stuff like that. But what I'm better at doing is becoming more aware, more present. And when I'm getting lost in thought or lost in a negative emotion or a situation or moaning about some situation that's been on the news or what have you, I recognize, oh, I'm moaning. Let's take a deep breath. Let's focus on being present. And anybody that's listening to this now, for the next 20, 30 seconds, I just want you to stop, pause, feel your feet, be aware of your breath, listen to your heartbeat, look around you. What are some of the sounds that you're, you're hearing? What does it feel like to you know touch your hands together, to rub your hands together? just to become present and to come out of the mind and actually think about the body because so much of our life is spent in our heads. Whereas if you just to focus on your breath, just to become aware of where you're at, there's, there's no worries in the present moment. All of our worries are things that we're worrying about in the future. But how is the future created? The future is created in the present. So just to become more aware and whenever I'm getting lost, I just try and right, center myself, look at things around me, hear things around me, feel things around me. And I try and kind of come out of the thoughts and the worries and actually just come back to like the here and now. Because most of the time it's it's the thoughts that are, are kind of running our lives. But the reality is that it's just a thought at the end of the day. And that kind of brings me on to the seventh point is like just realizing that my thoughts aren't my reality and my reality isn't my thoughts. So many of us identify with what's going on in our brain. And actually like you wouldn't identify with your foot, right? You don't look at your foot and say, that's who I am. 
But then we look at our mind and say, that's who we are. We, we create like an identity based on what our thoughts are doing. But our thoughts are part of us, but they're not who we are necessarily. Like you wouldn't look outside the window at the weather and say, you know, I am the sunshine or that cloud, I am the cloud. But in essence, your thoughts are just like those clouds. Like if, if I'm looking out the window now, it's about, what time is it? Yeah, 10 past four in the afternoon. There's loads of clouds and each of those clouds could be a different thought. I might have some things about work. I might have some stuff about family. I might be worried about certain things, but they're all just thoughts. And they only become powerful when I identify with each of those thoughts. But as soon as you take like a, a backseat and look at things and just see them from a neutral perspective and realize you are the person that's observing those thoughts, observing those clouds, then all of a sudden you recognize that yeah, you don't identify with it in the same way. So yeah, that's something that's really helped me just realizing my thoughts aren't my reality and my reality isn't my thoughts. The eighth thing is to accept dips and to accept that sometimes it's okay not to be okay. Like I think one of the biggest things that stopped me and I found unsettling was like, right, I've decided I'm going on this personal development journey. I'm going to really make myself happy and healthy. And then I'd realized that I'd have dips. I'd be like, what? Like, I was almost expecting this dream life where I'd never feel a negative emotion ever again. And the reality is that that's just setting yourself up for failure. You're going to have dips and you can't ultimately really control how you think and feel. Like, you could be, you could win the lottery now, right? And you'd be buzzing. Your, your state would change. There's no monk or anybody on this planet that's going to tell you that you're going to stay calm. But then at the same time, somebody could say, you know, unfortunately, there's been a great tragedy in the family. You know, so-and-so has not made it through. And all of a sudden, your life's going to be changed in a completely different way. Like, we cannot completely control our thoughts and our emotions. And accepting that it's okay not to be okay. Again, it comes down to that creating that awareness, but checking in with yourself. Like, you know what? Like, I realized this last week. I've, I've been a little bit sad. I, I, I've been a little bit lonely. You know, I felt a little bit angry. Maybe I've been a little bit short with the kids. Like, it, it's okay to actually have those dips. And again, the sooner you realize it and give yourself that chance to express it, and just to sometimes give yourself a couple of days just to process those emotions. And obviously, the bigger thing that you're dealing with, like whether it's loss or grievance, that can take months, years you know, accepting that there are going to be certain things that are going to impact you and it's okay to feel that way. It's it's nothing to be ashamed of. Um, and yeah, just to treat yourself with kindness. The ninth thing is to recognize that like pretty much everything is resolvable. There's a solution to every problem. So how many times, again, I'm guilty of this myself, something like shit hits the fan, you think, shit, that's it. You know, but my business is over. Um, you know, that's never going to happen again or, you know, whatever it may be. But nine times out of 10, there is a solution. There's a different way of doing it. You just have to be willing to look. So for me, like I do genuinely believe that if something happens, there is another way to get you. You either have to go over the hurdle or you go around the hurdle or sometimes you just have to play a different game. But I honestly believe that everything is resolvable and I have the belief that there's a solution to every problem. The 10th thing is just to recognize that everything is impermanent. Everything passes, good and bad. All will be gone and forgotten. Life is short. Like, don't try not to sweat the small stuff. You will at times sweat the small stuff, but try not to. And, and if you look back at like last month, if I look back at January, I had challenges and different things kick off, but I can't remember most of it. It just goes. So at the time, each day, we can kind of magnify our problems. But then, how much of like last year's problems really have you remembered? Like, I'm not going to say that if there was a big thing that happened you know, like some, some huge personal circumstances. And of course, it's, it's going to have had an impact. But a lot of the time, just the day-to-day -day stuff, we just kind of forget and move on. But at the time, we let it take up so much energy. So 
just realizing that good times don't last, bad times don't last, everything kind of naturally stabilizes and what goes up must come down, what goes down must come up. So just kind of just kind of accepting that. Yeah, a lot of people want just a one-sided life. They want an easy life. They want a happy life. They, they just want the best, the so-called best bits of life without the downside. But the reality is like, how would you know what happiness feels like if you didn't know what sadness felt like? How would you know light if you didn't know darkness? Like it's the yin and the yang. Like we've got to look at there's both sides of life. There's there's the polar opposites and just to try our best to embrace the both. And with with each season, there's a new season, there's a new cycle. We, we have a winter, we have a spring, we have an autumn, we have a summer. And all of those stages come with equal benefits, but also equal downsides. The sun, amazing. We get to go outside, we get a nice time, we feel better. Downside is sometimes it's freaking hot and uncomfortable and you just end up feeling and looking like a sweaty vest. The winter, okay, darker, colder, but it's also like an opportunity to kind of like breathe in that fresh cold air. And I don't know about you, but like nothing makes me feel more alive than when I'm breathing in cold air. So again, we can look at anything as positive or negative, And most of things in life are just neutral. And it's just kind of accepting that they're going to be highs, they're going to be lows. And just that life is a roller coaster, but everything will pass. And we're not on this planet for a long time. If we're lucky, we might have 80 years, 90 years, who knows, 100 years if we're, if we're really, really lucky. <clears throat> but just to not sweat the small stuff. So yeah, that was me kind of speaking from the heart, guys. Uh, let me know what you thought. I hope you found that episode helpful. Let me know what your biggest takeaway is. And uh, as always, like my inbox is always open. Like anybody that messages me, you will get a response back. At, as soon as I possibly can get back to you, you will get a, a response guaranteed. So if you've got anything that you just want to speak about, drop me a message, nick at lepfitness.co.uk or just drop me a message on Instagram. So thanks so much for listening. Honestly, I really value the fact that you spent like the best part of 30 minutes listening to this podcast. And also huge respect if you've got to this final podcast. It, to me, what it demonstrates is you are a person out there that can relate to this stuff and you've got a keen interest in improving your life. And that's amazing because so many people out there are, they just don't believe that this stuff is, is even possible. They've already kind of like set themselves up now for the rest of life and there's no way of changing but you're a growth-minded person and I have a huge amount of respect for that so thank you it means a lot